Hello, Jordan. I am the backup recording. Thank you for using me as a recording audio face I, interface. I, I need I need that Stephen Hawking voice for the for the voice of the backup recording. Was it like hello? <laughs> <laughs> that was welcome to the Grindhouse Syndicate. I am Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Today we were going to do the lodge. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> I'm speaking to you from the grave. <laughs> you gotta start it. Like <laughs> yeah, would you practice Stephen Hawking at some point in your life? I've been practicing my whole life. <laughs> I just sit in a wheelchair. I'd have nothing else to do. <laughs> oh, I got the hiccups. Man. Now we're not gonna get to start the fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm, cry- I'm crying. <laughs> Steve- Stephen Hawking shedding tears. <laughs> oh. oh, I got the hiccups. For real, <laughs> I had no idea that I could do that. That good. <laughs> It's funny because when I took the headphones off, it wasn't near as good. But coming through the mic, it sounds perfect. Oh man, oh. Um, bro, what are we gonna do? I got the hiccups now. Um, well, I have a bunch of talking to do, so maybe they'll go away by the, by the time I'm done talking. Yeah. So, well, welcome to the show. And uh, today we are going to be doing decent. <laughs> Fuck, man, we're never going to get through this. Today we're doing the uh, the lodge from 2019. <laughs> um, I'm not going to ask you if you have any news because you're not going to be able to get through it <laughs> today. The news. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I could get through the whole entire news in Stephen Hawking voice. <laughs> So Lionsgate just acquired the domestic. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. Uh, so anyway. So uh, oh, we'll go over a little bit of news real quick. So today or no yesterday Lionsgate just acquired the domestic rights to the Crow reboot starring Bill Skarsgård. I didn't know that there was a Crow reboot. Uh, I think I'd heard about it. I feel like a while back that they were going to do that, that they were, um, I thought, I think remaking it. I had no idea. I'm not a big fan of the idea of remaking it with, with Brandon Lee. I thought he killed that role and then died doing it. So to kind of, so they just should give it to him. Yeah. They mm. should just let him keep it. If you, if you, if you put so much into a role that you die, <laughs> you should just, you, <laughs> you should give just your get life the for role. the role. He did. And then they're gonna try to remake it. Like what a what a slap in the face. I will say Bill Skarsgård though. He he looks like him. I feel like that he's gonna look like the crow. I feel like he's gonna pull I feel like that really dude good. is such a good actor. He's good in everything though. he does. Like it's I know it's not gonna be anything on him. Uh, I think it's probably gonna be a great movie. It's just it, I, he might he might outdo Oh man, wow! Damn. He's that good. Damn. I mean, Bill Skarsgård. Man, everything he does is like he does incredible in everything. He's got a very wide range of acting. Yeah, he's good. he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. 
I didn't know they were doing right. this, but yeah, I guess Lionsgate just uh, they got the domestic rights. Uh, it is director directed director is directed by Rupert <laughs> Sanders. The movie is expected to release next year. The film actually wrapped production uh, September of 2022, so it's just been kind of sitting waiting for somebody to. I guess it's kind of been trying to work out the deal uh, since last year. Uh, I had no idea it existed. Didn't know they were doing it. And I went to look and see if if they were when they were going to start filming it, and it has been done. So I, mean, I told you, I, th- I think thought I heard about that initially a long time ago that they were doing that. So that makes sense. Now, uh, so Eli Ross Thanksgiving dropped its teaser trailer yesterday. Uh, the movie was originally a fake trailer as part of the Grindhouse Devil feature in two thousand seven, which that's right there sitting right there it's now a real movie gobble gobble yeah so after a black friday riot ends in a tragedy a mysterious thanksgiving inspired killer terrorizes plymouth massachusetts the birthplace of the infamous holiday it is due in theaters november 17th i am excited yeah i am too especially eli roth's doing it yeah we don't have many thanksgiving uh Thanksgiving horror movies. Seems like they just skip over that and go right to fucking Christmas. Yeah, we got like Thanksgiving. It's all I can really think of. I'm sure there's something else, but was it, we didn't. Was that the one you were telling me about? Yeah, the, yeah. the killer turkey. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the only the only downside. I mean, I love the trailer. But the only downside is it's not that grindhouse style. I wish they would have stuck with that. But you know. It is what it is. It still looks good. I'm still excited. So I will be in the theaters in November, ready to see it. It is. The, I'm sorry. I got to go back to this. Is the turkey like avenging its its family members and friends? So just tired of watching fellow turkeys no, get killed a, for Thanksgiving. It's, it's an evil turkey. Was is that, he well, evil or is he really good? Well, no, good question. We'll have to watch it. Yeah, maybe well, we need to <laughs> we need to watch Thanksgiving. Justice for turkeys. Um, so another announcement is, uh, this weekend coming up, we will be heading to the South Carolina horror convention in Columbia, South Carolina. This marks the first ever horror convention in the state's history. And we look forward to it becoming an annual event. We will be covering all the cool horror shit that we come across on all our social media accounts. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Grindhouse Syndicate Horror Podcast. Instagram at the Grindhouse Syndicate.horror.pod and our TikTok account at GrindMJAJ4W. Man, that's a mouthful. We have a TikTok. We do, unfortunately, have one. Wow. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> we got to get some, some teenagers in here and yeah, get, get um, us rolling on the TikTok. Well, I'm going to try to get some short videos of the convention, which is originally why I started it. So Cool. That's cool. But yeah, so check out any of those accounts and we'll have some stuff up on all of those along with every time we kind of post uh, something new about the show that's all of our updates going all that stuff too. So just wanted to put that Gotta info s- out there. Start a new TikTok trend at the convention. Well, TikTok's you very go, trendy. Go now. to conventions and shove Tide Pods up your ass. Tide something. Pods are so <laughs> last year. No, not shoving them up their ass, though. That probably has been a thing. Ah, you're right. You're right. I don't keep up with the trends, but... 
But uh, yeah, so we'll kind of talk about these ratings real quick for this movie. Rotten Tomatoes, 75%. IMDb, 6 out of 10. Letterboxd, 3.1. They gave it a 3.1 or a 6 out of 10 on IMDb? They did. Wow. Yeah. Thought, thought the Rotten Tomatoes would be a little higher too, considering the great cinematography of the movie. Yeah, I think they're I think they're low, but uh, yeah. I think that the I don't know, man. Maybe the problem is there's just this movie just is not big, and it should be. That's a shame. This is this is uh, a big reason why I picked this movie to do is it doesn't have a lot of notoriety where it deserves notoriety. Yeah, uh, this movie. If you do want to watch it, and hopefully you do. It is available to stream on HBO Max if you have that. And you can find it on, you know, like YouTube uh, and Amazon Prime, all those if you want to rent it. I recommend purchasing it, though. Buy a physical copy and you'll have it forever. And you can sleep with it and you can cuddle it. And anytime you feel like feeling dead inside, you could watch it because that's what's going to happen to you. Yes. It's good shit. I, I love felt feeling dead my, my soul felt empty when this movie ended. <laughs> <laughs> um, so The Lodge is a 2019 psychological horror film directed by Veronica Franz and who I'm going to butcher some of these names because they're they're uh, I don't know. I think they're like some of them are Greek names, maybe. Not Severin Fella, <laughs> written by both of them and Sergio Casse. It stars Riley Keough. <laughs> I have what was that last name? Keough. Keough, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Martell, Leah McHugh, Alicia Silverstone, and Richard Armitage. It was announced in October 2017 and began in March 2018 and wrapped later that same month. It only took a month to film. Which not surprising. Yeah, there's not not a whole lot of places to go. Um, yeah. kind of at the same same spot as the movie. Uh, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January 2019. It had a limited release by Neon in February of 2020. The film received generally positive reviews. It should have. Yes. The film is very influenced by the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rebecca from 1940 about a woman who suspects her home is haunted by her husband's dead wife. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I've never seen Rebecca, but. I, I mean, what year did you say that was? 1940. Jesus Black Christ. That's, that's, that's dated. Yep. Uh, filming for The Lodge took place in Montreal in the winter of 2018. The house used for filming was located on a golf resort that was closed for the winter because you can't golf in the snow. If you didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I guess it would be hard to golf in the snow. I mean, you could try. I mean, you, you I mean, you technically could, but you uh, physically could. It would, it would not, um, you would lose your ball within minutes. I don't know. You'd be able to know where your ball's at. What do you mean? You look it's in the white. snow. You, it's white. Yeah, but you would have a hole in the snow. Yeah, but if you like, when you go to, I mean, if you're talking about like deep snow, like it is in this movie, I mean, hit it and then would go like you know a hundred yards, and you wouldn't know exactly where it landed. 
Okay, this is oh, a stupid debate. <laughs> <laughs> the film was shot in chronic. Oh man, I'm gonna, <laughs> they were all high as hell. <laughs> They're on that chronic. They're on the. They, it was shot in chronic order. <laughs> chronological. Doctor Dre did this. It's in chronological order to help the actors portray the downward spiral their characters take. The film was shot by cinematographer. Here we go. I'm gonna mess this one up. I tried to look this up to learn how to say this was uh not successful yeah this guy deserves his name said right so yes. don't fuck it up i wanted to this is a beautiful movie and i wanted to include the cinematographer thermos bakatakis that was pretty good that oh, came out man. better than i thought it was going to did that that came out better it came out better than i thought it to uh, i thought it did it's b-a-k-a-t-a-k-i-s bakatakis yes uh, he's from Greece. Well, fucking cheers to him because he made an awesome movie. Well, uh, he intentionally did not shoot any scenes at eye level. Instead, opting to shoot above or below the actor's faces, intending to model the film after a haunted house movie. And this was done because they really wanted you to think that um, the house was being haunted by the ex-wife. Mm. Much like Rebecca. Nice. Uh, so the box office during opening weekend, it grossed a little over $76,000 in just six theaters. It was eventually expanded to 322 theaters and had a total of 1.6 million in the U S and a grand total worldwide, $2.6 million. That's so fucking sad. How much did they, what was the budget? There is zero information it's on probably, the budget. Probably lost money if that's all they made. Good There's God. no information on the budget. That's sad. Yep. Uh, well, you know, I don't know. It may be, it's not, it can't be that bad because it, it was only released in 322 theaters. I mean, what do you expect? Well, ho- and hopefully that, some people and hear that, this and go buy it. That wasn't even until three weeks later. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't think it did bad for the amount of theaters. I'm I'm just saying that for as good of a movie as it is, it deserved much more than what it got. Yeah, this yeah, is, this movie was got, it like a COVID thing? Was did COVID fuck it up? Um, it didn't say. It, Goddamn, I COVID. mean, I don't I'm, know. COVID was the theaters were closed, weren't they? Um, well, in most places, that might be why it only released in very, very, very limited theaters. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, you want to jump into the plot? What is it, 320-something theaters? 322. I wonder how many theaters is in the U.S. <laughs> that might, I mean, that might be a, a good I bit of know. theaters. I don't know. I don't anyway, think it is. Yeah, so let's jump into the plot. I keep backtracking here. Let's do it. <laughs> So, uh, so the movie starts out by introducing us to Laura Hall and her two children, Aiden, who I will probably refer to multiple times as Bill. It's Bill from it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I couldn't stop calling him Bill. He's always going to be Bill from it. Yeah. This was the, uh, the first comment I made is Georgie came back as a woman, as a, as a girl. (laughs) He's got a little sister now. Yeah, so Aiden slash Bill, who is 17, and his sister Maya, who is 12. Laura and her husband are separated, and she is dropping off the kids at his home for what I guess is the week. They don't really specify. Maybe they have shared custody. And uh, while they are at his house, 
Her estranged husband, Richard, tells her that he's planning on getting married to the woman that he's been seeing, and it's time for her to sign the divorce papers. And Laurie gets visibly upset and leaves Richard's house immediately. I just want to say that hallway is disguised as a kitchen. Yeah, that's that's, literally I said that to Brooke. I was like, literally, that is a hallway kitchen. That is a really fancy, expensive house with a hallway as a kitchen. The most cramped kitchen you could imagine. Like having kids, I couldn't imagine dealing with with that small of a kitchen. I'm pretty sure they took a hallway and just built the kitchen in it for this. Just repurposed it. And that. God, man, I I thought this guy, when he tells her that he wanted to finalize the divorce, he gives her this little smirk. It's so fucked up, man. (laughs) I felt so bad. I don't know if you caught that, but he tells her and then gives her like this smirk. No, I was too busy trying to figure out if that was Alicia Silverstone. It, It was. I hadn't seen her in anything in so long, and I was like, man, where do I know her from? But yeah, Um, so later on, we see Laura at home by herself, and she has a glass of wine at the dining room table. She sits very calmly, and she removes her necklace. She places it on the table. She then pulls a gun from her purse, and she places it in her mouth, and she pulls the trigger. And this happens in about a a second, maybe. I loved how quick this was. Like, it was so, you're like, is she going to do it? I think she, bam. Oh, yeah. Uh, We see a very much dead Laura with her blood splattered on the perfectly solid white wall behind her. And um, so if you look at her house, like everything is like so neat, so perfect. Like she's even making sure like those books and stuff like she's straightening them up right before this. Like, um, you know, she's doing this like everything in her house and everything about her is perfect. And then, you know, she shoots herself and it splatters the blood and even splatters it like across this crucifix right behind her. That is really good. Like it's got to be like symbolic imagery in a really good example of storytelling through camera lens. Yeah, they do a lot of this actually in this movie. Uh, that I love that shot, literally. I thought it was beautiful. The blood splatter on the back wall, yeah, on the white wall. If you if you notice too, the blood splatters just on the crucifix and around it. Doesn't go anywhere else. And I'm like, that's because you know they are they are telling a piece of a story using not words or dialogue, but image, just just images, and. Um, it kind of gives you a little insight into Laura. Like maybe she's doing this because she, you know, is everything being perfect on the outside for everyone else to see is so important to her that a divorce, like her husband leaving her makes her look so bad. You know, I think that's like, I think that's got to be one of the angles to this. Like she just can't stand like, you know, the depression and then plus how this looks. I think that might have something to do with it. That's a, that's a good point. That's fair. I thought of it as like, you know, she's, she's spent obviously a, a lot of years. They have a 17 year old trying to be the perfect wife and then only to be left, uh, for another woman. 
which is too much to bear. Yeah, I'm trying to look deep into what they're showing us because I feel like this is a movie where they're showing us everything on purpose. And I kind of took that as, okay, well, if everything is so important to her that it looks like she knows that people are going to come in and find her dead, but she even places the necklace really neatly on the table. She straightens the books like none of that shit matters. You're about to be dead. So it doesn't matter to her. What matters to her is what people think of her even after death. So I think this divorce, him leaving her, is a big part of why she can't deal with it. That's, you know, just just how I'm looking into it. But but yeah, so next we see how Laura's death has devastated her and Richard's children. And they are now living with him full time. And this is uh, where we get a six-month time jump. Yeah, uh, as, as, a, as a husband and father... If I was in this situation and because it shows them at the funeral and stuff and obviously the kids are devastated, I would tell this other woman, like, there's there's no fucking way we can get married right now. Like, we have we got to table this um, watching my kids lose a parent uh, over that. There's, there's just no fucking way. Yeah. You know, during this whole entire movie, I tried to look. I tried to, you know, not necessarily the back half of the movie, but at least the first half of the movie, you know, I try to look at who's the bad guy in this scenario. And I will say that I kind of came to a conclusion that everybody in this story now, ever since this suicide, is really in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I really can't handpick out a bad guy I think or for- really who's at fault in any of this situation. This is just a bunch of people that are in a bad spot with what is going on. I, I'm I'm going to say for the beginning of the movie, uh, the dad, um, that he obviously, he was writing this book and met this girl and decided that he was going to leave his wife for her. Because the kids even mention it. Well, we don't and, know. He, but, we don't know. He may have left her and then met this girl. We don't know how long well, they've been split well, up. Aiden says in the movie, like, you're, you, you, you met this girl and you left mom for her. And he, he, cause when they're arguing at the table, he's like, you left mom for this psycho. And the dads didn't argue about it. He's like, just who, who told you she was a psychopath? Yeah. I, I just think to, to do that and move that fast into it, uh, and try to force it on your kid. That's the thing I hate the most is he's trying to force her on his kids. And, He's got to understand the kids just lost their mom to suicide over the divorce. There's really no scenarios, no matter who you bring in, that those kids aren't going to have animosity towards. And I I do hate that about about the dad. Yeah, I do agree with that. But, you know, it does suck. It does suck for him because he is. I guess it sucks kind of being unhappy and trying to. I don't know, I guess do something different with your life. And then your ex, you know, goes and does something like this and just kind of completely derails your plans. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, it's a shitty situation, but the, the part I have a problem with is him trying to force the relationship on his kids. Um, yeah, this was definitely way too soon. 
But uh, so it is now Thanksgiving and uh, Richard informs the kids that he and his girlfriend, Grace Marshall, are still planning to get married. And uh, thanks to Aiden, we learn that Grace has a controversial past and that Richard met her while researching for a book about an extremist cult. Uh, Grace was raised in a cult and her father was the cult's founder and leader. Uh, Richard also informs the kids that he plans on them all spending Christmas with Grace at the family's remote lodge in order for them all to get to know each other. The kids very much protest this idea, which leads to an argument between Aiden and Richard. Uh, Thanksgiving is now ruined, Dad. Yeah, this is, like like I said, fortunate on the kids too fast. You're going to take them back to a lodge. The last time they were there, they were there with their mom, and now she just died. And to, to put the icing on the cake, he's trying to leave them there. And go work and leave them there with this woman they don't like, obviously. Yeah. What a fucking, this what, is like a the bad idea. idea of the fucking year. Yeah. And then you, well, another thing I thought is if I was Richard and I was going to do this terrible idea, I would go up there beforehand and maybe, um, because it's very evident that when they get there, all of the mom's stuff, all the memory. It's like they literally were just they all there together. Yeah. yeah. And he does does nothing, absolutely nothing I, to um, make sure that this isn't weird when they get there. Like a really good um, example of that is, you know, they're all going ice skating and mm-hmm. she puts on a hat and she doesn't know it's somebody's hat. And they're like, that's our mom's hat. You know, he should have put something like that in a drawer. Or well, said, hey, hey, don't any of these clothes that are here that are like women's clothes, don't wear them. Those are their moms. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. It may have been better for him to go, you know, remove some stuff out of there. But I feel like that would have just backfired too. the kids would have been like, well, mom just died. And you're trying to make it like she was never here. Um, I just think this plan altogether, no matter which path you take, this plan was a fucking horrible plan. Yeah, I don't mean necessarily remove it, but maybe either give her a warning or maybe put it in a drawer. Um, I mean, you don't have to take it out of the house, but don't just obviously it was just a hat laying out. She just grabbed it and like put it on and she doesn't know. And he I mean, he's at the center of this. He's the bridge between these two. And he does nothing to he just does. He just doesn't do anything. He doesn't think that he's going to take take her there and the kids there. And all of like their mom's shit is still there, and it's not going to be weird. Oh, they even have like home movies there. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, this yeah, is it's yeah, a, this is like a this is a disaster. Yeah, that's why I said for for me, the dad is the bad guy at the beginning of the movie. This uh, just horrible decision. But later on, um, Aiden and and Maya they use Richard's computer to uncover Grace's past, and they read that when Grace was twelve. Her father led the cult to a mass suicide event, leaving Grace the only survivor tasked with spreading the cult's message after they were all gone. They also come across some video footage of the cult showing the deceased followers draped in a uh, like a purple silk and duct tape across their mouths reading the word sin. I gotta say, this, this switch over to the found footage for this scene of... Uh, the the footage that they find, uh, 
uh, I would watch that movie. <laughs> that, that's a movie within the movie that I would watch. Yeah, it's very much. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's it's kind of ripped off an actual mass suicide. The one where they all had the black Nikes uh, on. Yeah, what is that? Uh, I can't think of the name of it. God damn it, I can't either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to waste too much time on that. But yes, I know what you're talking about. They all they all um, died. Yes, they all <laughs> died. But they're all like laying in these bunk beds wearing the yeah. same outfit and shit. So. so Richard, Grace, the two kids, and Grace's small dog all pack into the car and they head up to the lodge. Grace tries to have some pleasant interaction with the kids, but they are very cold towards her. Once they arrive, everyone starts to unpack for the week ahead and Grace finds a picture of Richard and Laura on the nightstand and puts it away in her drawer. In my opinion, if I was her, I would have left the picture out. Yeah. I wouldn't have put it out. I would have just, you know, sucked it up. You know, like they haven't been together that long to where it's like super hurtful to see that picture. I mean, those are kids. Their mom's dead. Like I would take one for the team. Because if those kids find that picture in that drawer, they're gonna dislike her for it. I mean, it's you know, well, it's, 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 <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, but it's just gonna get worse. No, I I agree. Um, that that's one that he she should have left. She makes uh, a lot she, of mistakes. Like she should have left that to Richard if it was gonna be removed or not. Uh, that should have she she can't be the one to do that. No, no, she just needs to just suck it up and not look at the fucking picture, like. You know I, I mean, mean she don't have be, competition. It, the the girl's nah, dead. I mean, yeah, and not not only that, but he left her, and it's not it's not like you know she's got to you know worry about oh well maybe he still loves her. I mean, she's not alive anymore. <laughs> she literally killed herself because he didn't want to be with her anymore. I just, no, but after the next day, Richard has to leave, and uh, he heads back to the city for a couple days of work before Christmas Day. He thinks that leaving the kids with Grace will allow them to bond a little bit and ease the tensions. That's stupid. Yeah, this this whole idea was fucking stupid. Yeah. Sorry, Richard, you're a stupid smart guy. You can write books about cults, but you can't fix this problem, apparently. Right before he leaves, he shows Grace a small safe where he keeps a gun in case of an emergency. Biggest mistake of all. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a big mistake. There's something so there's something before this. Remind me if I don't bring it up. But it doesn't sound like you caught it. But there's something before this scene that hints to what's to come. And I'll bring it up at the end because it doesn't sound like you caught it. But it's something that I didn't catch the first two times I watched this movie. That's really good. But yes, the gun. The gun was a really bad idea. So we see um, this abundance of Christian symbols like on the walls of the lodge and stuff. It's kind of all over this house, like pictures and crucifixes kind of regularly throughout this this uh, house. And they are having kind of a slight mental effect on Grace because of her past in the cult. And this leads her to start having nightmares about her father pretty much immediately. Uh, she also kind of like oddly stares at them and um, just kind of, it's just kind of, you pretty much see that right off the bat that there's some weird shit between her and religion. 
Um, on the first night that Richard is gone, we see Grace getting out of the shower and finding the word mom written on the mirror. She then catches a glimpse of Bill slash Aiden watching her from the doorway in the reflection of the mirror. And here we see one of the reasons Richard wants to marry Grace. Absolutely. Yes. That's all, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Aiden's seen it too. Yeah, he probably seen it and said, well, damn, I, I kind of get that. Don't blame him there. Uh, so that night, Grace continues to have uh, nightmares or visions of the cult suicide from her past. And she wakes up kind of confused on the floor in her room. Uh, and she finds Maya's kind of like Maya carries around this special doll. I, it seems like the doll is supposed to be like her mom. Yeah. She's kind of yeah, got it dressed up like her mom. She doesn't say it's her mom, but I kind of no. get that feeling that it, it's like. It's very clear that she uses it as like a representation of her mom, like her mom being there. But yeah, um, so she finds this doll in her nightstand drawer. And uh, Mia tells her that she can't find the doll and it's been missing since she woke up. Grace is worried that she must have taken it during her like sleepwalking, dreaming type haze thing that she did. And this is where she starts to pretend to help Mia look for the doll all throughout the house. Grace plants the doll in the dog bed, making it look like the dog Grady accidentally took it, thinking it was a toy, blaming the dog on the doll theft. Yeah, That's she real cool. She, she, um, I took that as she knew that Mia was going through her stuff, and but she didn't because she wants to get along with them so much. She made it like the dog had it. She didn't put the doll up there. Oh, I think she thinks she did. No, I think she finds it and it is like knows that the kids were going through her stuff and in her stuff. But because she wants a relationship with the kids so bad, she doesn't ask Mia about it. She just plays it off like the dog got it. Mm, well, I mean, if Mia, if Mia had possibly left it there, why wouldn't Mia look there? Uh, I, huh, I, I, I don't it know. could be either way. I don't know. It's not really said clear, but it's, um, it's very because this is the point too where you hear her leave the message for for Richard talking about how great of a time they're having. Oh, she's it's, totally lying. It's very clear. <laughs> I think more than having a relationship with the kids, is she wants it for Richard more than herself. Like she just wants to make Richard happy. So she's she's just just in the same way that at first she didn't say anything to Aiden about coming in the bathroom and right, oh, yeah. right mom on the mirror and mm -hmm. seeing him. She doesn't say anything to him about it because she doesn't want any confrontation because she wants to, to, to get along with him so well. But later on, uh, grace confronts bill about his attitude towards her and the, uh, shower incident. And, uh, it doesn't go well. They, they get into an argument and, uh, later on bill brings her a cup of hot chocolate as kind of a peace offering. Uh, they kind of sit and they watch a movie together. And I will say, how perfect would it be to watch The Thing while snowed in, in a cabin in the mountains? Yeah, I thought that was a, a perfect movie for the time. And that, and she wants to turn it off. I want to go there and watch it. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I want to 
I went ahead there and watch it if with I was him. Bill, I'd have, if I was Bill slash Aiden, I'd have been like, no, 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 no. We got to finish this movie. Like, they were already like almost she, halfway in the movie. She's too. like, she probably don't watch any horror movies. She's yeah, so fucked didn't. up from her childhood and the cult shit. Um, very clear at this point in the movie that that's she's she's take she takes medication and shit for it like she had some severe issues you know props to them for having the thing in their collection yeah yeah good on them uh maya mentions how cold she is and bill goes to grab the propane heater placing it kind of close by like right like kind of right in between them kind of in front of them and a little while later everyone falls asleep the next morning Grace wakes up still in front of the TV with Maya. Her phone is dead and there is no power to the house. She also discovers that most of their belongings, including their clothes, their food, and her medication are all missing. She wakes uh, Aiden slash Bill up to start the generator, but he goes down there and comes back up and says it's not working. She accuses the kids of pulling a prank on her, but they seem just as dumbfounded as her as to what is happening. Grace notices that all the clocks have been advanced to January, and Aiden tells her that he had a dream the night before that they had all fallen asleep watching the movie and that the gas heater had malfunctioned and killed them all and that he had feared that they were experiencing the afterlife. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and she clearly is not bought into this idea at all but my first thought is man this would be a ton of work for kids to pull off like they empty out of all the shit out the the house. there's pictures off the wall yeah, and everything. i mean all the stuff out of the refrigerator like literally everything that's there they get rid of um, well up until this point i was thinking this is going to be a ghost movie with the ex-wife fucking with the new girlfriend wife whatever and then this occurs and i'm like wait a minute what's going on here yeah i could see that they could they have they do have some scenes that makes it almost as if the, the house is haunted um yeah there's all like there not a haunting and everything yeah yeah the picture when 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 she first walks into the cabin uh that night she she goes and walks up and the door, she closes the door and the door opens itself back up. I thought that that was, uh, I thought this would be a ghost movie at first because of that. Yeah. I mean, ghosts don't steal everything in the house. Like, you know, ghosts do weird stuff and they knock shit off the walls and stuff, but there's never been a ghost movie where you, you know, you get up the next day and the ghost stole everything. <laughs> like, where, where's the, you know, unless it's like a crackhead ghost. And it's like, steal all your belongings to get ghost crack. It's going, it's going to <laughs> pawn all, all your stuff. Going, the other ghost. And it's going to the graveyard pawn shop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this, this is, for me, this is where the movie takes this turn. That I'm, this is the first, I'm not expecting what's happening. Because it's a pretty standard movie until this point in my opinion but uh yeah so over the next couple days grace begins to suffer from anxiety medication withdrawal hunger and cold she begins kind of sleepwalking is tormented by disturbing visions and dreams including the recurring voice of her dead father's sermons which is really creepy 
Yeah. The, um, so during this time, like all of this cult stuff starts kind of coming back up from her past. And it's almost like there are these moments where she can't tell if this is reality or if she's dreaming this, this stuff, it's all starting to mix in together. And then, you know, she's hearing her, her father's sermons just at times when she knows she's awake, you know, like she's, you know, she knows like, okay, I'm not dreaming. And, um, I think this, you know, mixed in with like her withdrawal from her medication and her medication, not being in her system anymore. It's, it's really starting to like fuck with her brain. Yeah. I, it seems like she has some, some trauma induced schizophrenia and, and definitely some PTSD, which is probably oh, yeah. what she takes medication for anyway. Well, she had a big old um, bag of pills. So she, she did. She has a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Definitely, definitely not, not a good situation to be in, uh, having those issues. And then all your medications gone on top of thinking that you, you might be dead. Yeah. Well, you know, she doesn't like eight, like Aiden and, and Maya believe that, that they may possibly be dead, but I do remember that it was around this time where, you know, they keep bringing it up to her and she gets angry because she doesn't. Yeah, she's in but, denial. Yeah, yeah, she's she's not on board yet. And, um, you know, right around this time, the dog mysteriously. The, the dog is actually gone when they wake up the next day after the heater. She can't find her dog. And she really like that's when she really starts freaking out. Yeah, well, so so the dog is is like missing. And uh, they, you know can't find the dog and you know that's that's upsetting to her she talks about how she got the dog to help her kind of heal from her past trauma and um she after a while she decides to try to walk in the snowstorm to the nearest town where she eventually comes across a cross-shaped cabin where she sees her father beckoning her and uh, that is a interesting cabin. I don't know if they built that for the movie or if that was already there. No, I don't it just think. It looks like I a think, three buildings stacked on I, it itself. <laughs> I think that it's so unrealistic looking. Like, I don't think the cabin was there at all. I think this is her uh, imagining this. Because um, it just so happens to be the symbolism. is it's, a, it's shaped like a cross. And she's seeing her dad in, inside of it. I think this whole thing was actually not happening. I think this was her medication. She was just imagining this whole thing. Because yeah, who in the very, hell would build well. a house like that? Looks like you you built a tiny shack and put a fucking trailer on top of it and then put a tiny shack on top of that. So she ends up walking in a circle, I guess, you know, an accident, and she comes back to the lodge. Where outside, she finds a photo of Aiden and Maya in a memorial frame. Once inside, she finds the kids praying over a newspaper article detailing the deaths of all three of them from carbon monoxide poisoning on December 22nd. We get our first big clue that they are dead. Yeah, and this is the, this is the part where she actually puts the crucifix back on the wall yeah. i think this is that signifies this is where 
she's fully snapped. Like she's starting to revert back to the religious teachings that she was taught as a kid that she was raised on. I I think this is definitely symbolizes like this is when it gets really bad for Grace. She probably starts thinking, oh man, my father was right. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, that's that, what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's it's her reverting back to those teachings. She's like, oh shit. You know, he he was right the whole time. So she puts the cross back up on the wall and for her, it's pretty downhill from, from here on out. So Aiden is, insists that they are in some kind of purgatory, and he claims that he can prove it. He runs up the stairs, and he hangs himself in the stairway. And when Grace runs to kind of see what he has done, and she sees him hanging there, he you know, he looks dead. And as she's like like freaking out, he starts to speak to her telling her that they can't die because they're already dead. And at this point, Grace suffers a nervous breakdown. And um, and I would too. <laughs> <laughs> and it, which gets way, way worse when uh, she, she starts kind of wandering around outside. And while she's wandering around outside, she accidentally comes across her dog, Grady, who is frozen to death. And uh, this is pretty much the last straw. And this sends her into a catatonic state where she sits on the front porch. The kids start to really worry about her mental state and think that she she's going to die from exposure from sitting out there. And they decide that it is time to end the charade. It 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 was the goddamn kids all along. Yeah, so when... In the scene, I love the scene where he hangs himself because that was the selling scene for me. I'm like, oh, they are dead. Oh, like, yeah. They're definitely dead. And when she first looks up at him, they, they time this so perfectly. There's like a a seven or eight second pause just looking up at his body hanging. And then you're like, oh, fuck. You know, they weren't dead. His kid just hung himself. And then he starts talking and you're like, oh, they they were dead. They You know, they can't die. I love that, and I, you know, I totally don't blame her for absolutely losing her fucking mind after that. Yeah, they they just reversed years and years of like mental health healing that she had done after all that cult shit. They just wiped it off the the board in just a matter of days. Yeah. Uh, so what I was going to mention earlier, and I didn't notice this the first two times I watched this movie, but. It shows Aiden and uh, Mia, Maya packing the bag, their bags to go. Mm-hmm. And it shows Aiden, and it's very brief. You got to catch, you got to look really close to catch it. But he puts a harness in his bag, which is what he uses to fake I his hanging. Yeah, I didn't see that. He puts two candles in I there. See, I remember the candles. I remember so, thinking that's and weird. They're actually used. You, you see this used in the picture when they're burning. Um, and it's in the hallway and she's like, what the fuck is that? And she blows, she blows the candles oh, out with the doll mm-hmm. sitting in the middle. And, yeah. I didn't catch that either. And the last thing he throws in there is a picture frame and it's actually face uh, down, the, which the ends up being finds. the in loving memory picture, uh, of the kids. So uh, that was really brief. You don't catch it. You don't think anything of it. I didn't even catch it the first two times I watched it, but if you if you 
catch that scene and you're thinking about it, it's very obvious that they're not dead the whole time. These kids are just fucking bastards. There, there was another thing that I caught the second time I watched it was when the dad finally can't get a hold of them and he, you know he's at the house right before he kind of realizes something wrong he's in Maya's room and he's looking at her big ass dollhouse which is way too big for that room but anyway he sees the little plan that they you remember they had like the dolls set up with mm-hmm. the plan like they have um like Aiden hanging in the stairway and then they have like the three of them dead in the living room in front of the TV so they literally like I guess while they were planning it was like acting it out or like saying that this is how we're going to do this and they were using this dollhouse to help them plan it and they left it like that and he sees this and he's like what the fuck is this and once he sees this he's like oh I need I need to go there yeah, uh, I guess it's, you know, between not hearing from them for like a day and then seeing this, he realizes something's something's wrong. I don't know if maybe he thought one of his kids were going to kill themselves or something there or something like that. But um, I didn't catch that on the first time. But the because it shows this, it has very much that hereditary thing hereditary, going on that was, that, with yep. that doll. It shows all these scenes with the dollhouse because, I mean, this movie shot phenomenally yeah there's amazing shots throughout this whole movie i love the symbolism of the dollhouse and that's the first thing i thought of was hereditary and they keep going back to this dollhouse and showing the scenes as they as they're unfolding and uh it's very unclear what's going on like is the dollhouse changing and is it is it just symbolism in the movie and then you realize in that scene this is actually something that they set up beforehand and and kind of played it out through the dollhouse. Um, thought that was done really, really good. I remember thinking too, like, how is this not like an A twenty four movie? Yeah, this screams like an A twenty four movie. It does. It does. I can agree with that. That's- I mean, it has uh, so much in common with uh, a lot of A twenty four movies, but the main one I would say is Hereditary. It has such a Hereditary vibe to it. It does. I mean, it, even some of the ways it's it's shot. It, yeah, that's that's what I. Yeah, the 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 dark. It's like shot really dark and dry, and it's and, kind of a slow burn. It's very quiet. They don't use a whole lot of background music and stuff to amp stuff up. It's very as if you were there. Like you feel like you're there for for a lot of it, and they really let those those emotions of the scene sink in, and that's something that Hereditary does really well. It has another real similar thing too, where what we were saying is when we thought it was going to be like this ghost movie and then they wake up and they think they're dead, everything's gone. And we get this, like the movie just takes off in this different direction. That's the same thing hereditary does where you think the little girl is going to be the focal point of this movie. Then she gets her, her head knocked off and then the movie just cuts to this different direction. And you're like, what the, you know, what the fuck? And it's the same thing with the ending where you're you're thinking, what what's going on here? What is the outcome that this is going to be? And they both also have the same, you know, kind of family annihilation. That's that is the the end result of both these movies. This is such a similar movie. It's shot similar. It's written similar. And they're both very, very good movies. 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, catch that comp there, but that does. Uh, I did with the dollhouse. That I did make me think of Hereditary with the dollhouse. But yeah, uh, this shot extremely similar. But yeah, so um, Aiden tells her that they had drugged her and hid all of their belongings in a crawl space. But Grace doesn't react. Uh, the kids, they go and get her medication, but she won't take it. Um, her mind is just too far gone, and she now fully believes that they are in purgatory. Aiden and Maya's phones have now finally died for real this time after using them to communicate with their dad over the past couple days. This is another thing that I didn't catch until the second time I watched the movie. I watched it with the... Um, the, oh, cap- the, no, the, clo- the captions on there. Yeah, because the, there's some parts in here that's hard, hard to hear. Yeah. Like when they're by the generator and, and this, he, is, this is the scene. Okay, I'm interested because I didn't catch what was said. There. Okay, so do you remember earlier where Maya is upstairs and she's on the phone and Grace runs up there and like, give me your phone because she's like, you're on the phone with somebody and she's like, no, I'm just pretending it's dead. Yeah. Um, And they're like, yeah, all, our phones are dead too. So Later on, now we're at this scene, and they're down there by the generator, and uh, you know they realize like this has gotten out of hand, and they need to call their dad. Yeah, and um, Aiden says, "Well, my phone's dead now," and he asks Maya, "He's like, well, call dad on your phone," and she says, "I can't. I it's dead for real this time. I killed it." Because I talked to dad too long. Oh, I didn't so catch that's that. That's why he didn't come up there sooner because she's been communicating with him this whole time this charade's been going on. Okay. that Yeah, I never caught that at yeah. all. So I actually rewound that part and still couldn't hear what she said because it was so low. And uh, I just took it as they were both fucking around on their phone for fun or something in between, not thinking it was going to be a big deal. And and that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, both of them have obviously been communicating. I don't know, maybe they told him that Grace's phone was broken. That's why he wasn't talking to her. But they were basically assuring him, like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything, we're getting along. And that's why he didn't think anything of it. But the last day, their phones died. He can't get a hold of any of them. Um. And then he, you know, he even says, like, I haven't talked to anybody for like a whole day. And then he sees this dollhouse set up and that is what sparks him to leave. Uh, I did think it was the first time I seen it. I thought it was a little weird that you left and didn't hear from anybody for days and didn't think any, anything of it. But this makes a lot more sense. She, Maya, sat and talked to him for a long time and she said that's what killed her phone. Yeah, that makes sense because they show her set that clock back and it glimpses to that a couple of times throughout the movie. And it it looks like there's it's some time has passed like this isn't when you're watching the movie, it's hard to tell. But this is over probably a week or two period of uh, either that or they're they're fucking with the clocks and making her seem like it's longer. Aiden, and I know they are fucking with Aiden the clocks, changed the but, clock to January. It seems like as you're watching this movie. We did, but she set it back to December, and then I think he they were messing with it again to make her think it had been longer. But this, it seems like, because you're just seeing the important parts in the movie, 
that this is over a two or three day period. Yes. Whereas I think this is probably a good week or two. Uh, So it makes sense of why. Because I'm like, as a dad, if I don't hear from my kids and there was some woman that I've been with for, I don't know, six months since my since my wife killed herself. I would think that was that was there's no fucking way. Like something something's got to be wrong. So I'm yeah. glad you caught that. Yeah, it's it's actually only takes place over like three days. So he leaves on December twenty first. She they wake up the first day he's not there, and all this stuff's going on is December twenty second. He's coming back the day before Christmas, December twenty fifth. When she realizes that the clock has been set to January, she goes back and sets it back to December 22nd. She knows the actual mm-hmm. date. Yeah. And he's supposed to be back the 24th. And then it's like January 9th next time they show yeah, the yeah. clock. And so he still comes back on the 24th. But it, yeah, this it shows that the story actually only takes place over four days. Hmm. It's not, yeah, it's not, a, not that long, but considering. Um, when you don't have power, you don't have food, and you're cold. Four days is seems a lot longer. That, that's that's <laughs> something that this this so great about this movie too is there's so many things like that. Like the clock thing is not something I I, I think I noticed the first time I watched the movie. Um, there's so many things that that we don't have time to cover in, in detail, but there's so many things that these kids do to her part of this plan and then once you find out they were fucking with her you look back and you can tell uh, you start thinking about certain parts and certain things and it's just the way the story was written i mean it was was really an a genius plan and and there's so many things we can't cover that's that makes this movie fantastic yeah i didn't even originally realize that he had changed the clock until when i watched it with the captions on and he actually even says like i changed the clock I thought maybe the clock was just off because nobody's been there in fucking like a year or something. I don't know. But yeah, he does state that he had changed the clocks to fuck with her. So uh, Aiden goes to start the generator to get, you know, electricity going again. But now it won't start. I just want to say that uh, Aiden tried for maybe two minutes to start the generator and then gave up like. Yeah, don't. I've cranked my lawnmower for way longer. Than I was that. about to say, don't <laughs> don't try to get Aiden to cut the grass. Yeah, because he's he's not going to get the lawnmower started. If I'm in his situation, I'm gonna be like, I'll be down here all day working on the generator. Yeah, especially with you her going me. fucking crazy. This is where like, you can find me if you need to find me. Yeah, yeah, with her going crazy, I would have been down there nonstop until that generator got started. He like pulls it like three or four times and he's like, oh, well, fucked. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the difference between like adult men and the teenager. I don't know. I got, <laughs> I got to feel like if I'm 17 in this situation, I would have, I oh, would have, yeah. I would have been on it for a long time. I would have been really freaked out <laughs> at this point. You know, you got this crazy lady who was like in a cult and now you've caused her to revert back into her. She's in like a psychosis and that, you know, she's at this point, she's, I think it's a little after this, but she's literally like torturing herself for her sins. Like she's, 
she pulls the log out of the fire and is like kneeling down on the log to to burn herself and uh, with all this shit going on, like I would have been right back down there trying to crank that. Yeah. So uh, now Grace fully thinks that they're in this purgatory situation and must do a penance to be accepted by God and ascend to heaven. That night, the kids witnessed Grace uh, self-flagellating, which I didn't know that's what that was called, uh, by burning herself on these fire logs while praying, which is what you're just talking about. Uh, The kids, they go and they hide up in the attic for the night, avoiding Grace's crazy-ass religious stuff. Yeah, the, uh, this her screaming, man. That that oh, scene yeah, where they show her at rough. night and they just hear her screaming all night long. It's so fucking creepy. Yeah, I love. I'd almost want to go sleep outside. <laughs> yeah, I would have been sleeping next to that generator. I slept in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, she ends up confronting them in the morning, insisting that they must sacrifice something for the Lord and free themselves from idols before setting Maya's doll on fire. Uh, Richard, after having not been able to get in touch with any of the three of them, frantically drives up to the lodge. Once he arrives, he finds an inconsolable Grace holding his gun with the children behind her. He attempts to talk talk her into putting the gun down and talking to him about what is going on, but she ignores what he is saying and in an attempt to prove her beliefs that they are all already dead and in purgatory, she fires the gun at Richard, hitting him in the head and killing him. Aiden and Mia scream and rush to Richard's dead body before making their escape to Richard's car outside. But unfortunately, the car is stuck in the snow. Grace uses the gun to force the kids back inside the lodge. Yeah, unfortunately, Aiden's 17 and can't fucking drive in the snow, apparently. Because it looks like he backed right into, like, the part that that was really deep and just gets stuck there. That's such a horror movie thing to happen. There's this really cool shot, too, because you're kind of left, like, the shot, the camera stays on Richard's dead body, which is laying in this stairwell. And you see the kids run off, and then you see you know, Grace do that really creepy thing the killers do where they kind of just walk. They just walk towards their victims. Their victims are running, but the killer is just super calm, cool, like they're not going to get away. And you can hear this commotion going on outside, but you don't know what's happening. You you don't know if she's got them already, if she's killed one of them already, and you're just left on this shot, and it feels way longer than it probably actually is. Yeah, they actually dragged this as something I took in my notes. They actually dragged this shot on, so when the camera angle does change and shows you that they got stuck, they, they, you know, you can hear the kids. It's looking out at the front of the house, and she's walking out, and you can hear the kids freaking out and the, the motor revving, and then it slightly turns over to the right, and that's when you see that they're stuck, and the walk to the car like her slowly walking into the car while they're stuck there and she stops in front of it like i thought that was such a fantastically shot scene like it just it gives it so much gives you as an audience so much time for that to sink in like these kids are like are they gonna get out is she gonna walk up and shoot them 
Um, it's just the it's it's a very tense moment. And I thought it the way they shot it was was done fantastically. That could have been a completely different feeling scene if it would have been shot differently. Uh, next, we see that she has placed Richard's dead body in a chair seated at the table with her and the children. She starts singing a religious song named Nearer My God to Thee. She then places duct tape over her and the children's mouths with the word sin written in black marker while the loaded gun rests on the table and then the screen goes black. What was that song called again? I put amazing grace. No, Nearer my God to thee. Yeah, I, you tell, I'm, I'm not too caught up on my religious anthems. Uh, uh, I, I, I looked it up. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put amazing grace. I was like, how, how, how fitting grace is going crazy. And they played it. She starts singing <laughs> amazing grace. I fucking love the end of this though. It's like so dark. It's it is so, like, I think that for those kids, I mean, as an adult, that'd be terrifying, but as a child, that is um, because, you know, they were waiting in the attic for their dad to show up. They knew he was coming that day and uh, they were just kind of letting the clock tick down. And that was their one savior. And now they're sitting at a table with his brains leaking out of the back of his head. Oh, that shot. And there's that shot no too. one coming. There's nobody else showing up. They know this. And they start singing with her, I which think, is yeah. so like. It's so dark. The The ending is, is so, like, it's just geniusly written, grim as fuck, super dark. Um, everybody dies. And it, it's so fitting because she, she ends up reverting back into her dad. And they die in pretty much the same way that her dad killed all these people and killed himself as a, as a cult leader. Like, it's just... I, I absolutely, you know, I love the grim endings. I've mentioned this, I don't know, maybe the last episode, the episode before, like the endings, the dark movies that don't have a happy ending. Um, this is this is the crown of those movies. It's so fucking dark. Yeah, th- this is why I said you you feel kind of empty inside when this movie ends because um, it's bad enough for bad things to happen to adults at the end of a story but these are two kids i mean well these are two shitheads too they they did something they, fucked up but they're they, still kids you know? yeah they are still kids but yeah it's everybody is a bad guy at some point in this movie though that's yeah. that's one thing i really like too is the dad is is kind of the bad guy in the beginning the kids the kids are completely the bad guy and then she kind of goes crazy and she's the bad guy at the end and I thought that was geniusly written. I loved how they tied the cult, the way everybody died. They tied that back into the end, and the kids end up dying in that same way. Yeah, when they showed the article for when they were looking uh, her up on the computer, actually paused it and I read the article. And uh, the big chunk, the main chunk part of the article really just talks about cults, the history of cults committing suicide. And then it does talk a little bit about the story about what happened with her and essentially like her dad tasked her, I guess the, um, I guess the state was making legal moves against the cult, uh, maybe about to arrest him. 
And that's when he decided to do this mass suicide. And he had her, he basically told her like, your job is to record this. And then once this is all over, you're going to spread the gospel of what we did. Cause he painted it as, um, we're doing this because God told me to, to do this, not because of the police went, but it's very obvious the police. And, um, she ends up like staying in there with these dead bodies until the police find her. It doesn't really say how long. And then the article is very much a movie article where the, the rest of the article just repeats the first part of the article. <laughs> mm. It's yeah, it's, it huh. looks like a really big article, but it's really just, you know, so they didn't think you were going to pause. They didn't think I was going to read that shit. Actually, I did read all of it. <laughs> so there's a, there's another part that they fucked up on. Um, so whenever they first get to the cabin and Grace and uh, the dad is are laying down together and it's like they're about to have sex and they show him way on top of her, you see her hand and her, her hand and her finger look bruised up. And Brooke was like, she's got tattoos they're trying to cover. And I was like, mm. or she just like banged her hand up or something before. And she actually looked her up. And they did. They had to cover a tattoo on her arm and her hand for this whole movie. And you get like a up close shot of it in, in that scene. Uh, so originally they had picked another actress to play that role. And that actress, while she was waiting for production to start, had started a journal about like a whole backstory for Grace. And she pretty much did a lot of character building that she could bring to the movie. And then they met the actress that ended up getting the job. They just met her and liked her so much that they ended up replacing her. The other one at the last minute, which was, um, I mean, she did a really good job. She did. But yeah, incredible. But yeah, that is unfortunate that somebody else had put a lot of time and effort and had already gotten the job, and then the last minute uh, didn't get to do the, well, the job. But. They obviously did it for a reason, and it was well, probably based off of how well this this girl was able to play this role. Um, they said that when they met with her, I think they met with her at like a lunch or something, and they said that the chemistry that they had with her and her understanding of the character was just, it clicked um, so much better than anybody else that they had talked to. So they thought that she would be better, but Jen, she was f- great in this movie. Yeah. Everybody is phenomenal in this movie. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing I got in, in my ratings is yeah, that the acting in this movie was incredible. I couldn't imagine somebody else playing that part as good as she did. I'm sure there's plenty of actresses. I won't say plenty, but there's some out there that could have, but, I I couldn't imagine this movie without her because she has the most important role to play. Like she is the person who snaps. It's the hardest role to play. And she does it incredibly well. I think her and the two kids are the all-stars of this. I mean, there's not a lot of characters anyway, but the two kids are really good too, because they play the, um, that we don't know what's going on you know, first part, they play that part really well. Like I, I, you know, I didn't catch on. Like I thought they were just as clueless as her. And then they play scared really well in the back half of it. 
And then at the very end, like them being upset, knowing what's about to happen, they play that part really good, especially um, the girl who plays uh, Mia. I thought she was great. She did really good. Yeah. The, Bill Bill's good too, but. The kid, yeah. That, that's why I say I urge anybody listening to go watch this movie. There's so many detail stuff that we don't have time to cover. Yeah. But these kids absolutely like everything they do. What the what the feel of this movie is most of it you're you're like are they dead or are they not like are these kids doing something to her or are they actually dead? What and everything that the kids do kind of plays into the story and it makes more sense when you find out that the the actual story. But the kids play that incredibly well and she does fantastic with the with the there's kind of steps in her breakdown. Like as, as different things happen, she goes further and further into it. And I would imagine as, as an actor, that would be extremely hard to which makes sense of why they shot it in chronological order. I think that was a huge help to this movie. Yeah. I think trying to do those stages of a breakdown shot, not in order would have been just almost impossible to keep up with in your head. This movie has, it's such a harsh story too. Like there's like other stuff we didn't talk about. Like one of the things is um, when the mom kills herself, that whole section, like the funeral and after the funeral scene with the kids and them being upset. And there's like a scene where Mia is in her room and she's upset because, um, you know, her religious belief is that you know i guess if you commit suicide you can't go to heaven and it's very obvious that their family's religious because of all the religious stuff in all the homes that they have and she's up in and the dad's sitting there like you know what what does a dad tell his daughter because they've raised her on this religious belief but now her mom has committed suicide and she's like well my mom's not going to go to heaven she's hysterical and he's sitting there. How do you how do you console that? And then um, he really doesn't. I guess he really doesn't have yeah, a, anything to say. Yeah, he plays that really well. And he leaves. And then the brother comes in, and you know, pretty much does about the only thing you could do in that situation. Uh, man, this is just a super harsh story, though. Great, mm-hmm. amazingly written. But it, yeah, there's a lot of just. Uh, so a lot emotionally of, rough stuff in this movie. A lot of great symbolism, and uh, it, it's it, the movie is dark. It is it is a dark movie. Oh, everything about but, this movie is dark. <laughs> I mean, whenever you go back and watch this after watching it the first time, the amount of stuff that's in there that you don't catch and that makes more sense when you watch it again is just. It was yeah, I just it was geniusly written. That's the best way to put it. Uh, yeah, so we'll jump. I got a couple kind of little facts and stuff I always like to throw in at the end. Um, in order to establish the chemistry between the actors playing Aiden and Mia, who are siblings in the movie, the directors took them on several trips together, including rock climbing and ice skating to establish a bond between the two before filming began. I thought that was a good idea. 
Now that's the second time Bill has had to do that. They did yeah, that on, on with it. with it. Yeah, yeah. they actually it had works. them together for yeah. like a, a couple weeks or so. They actually for that movie, I, I remember that they put them together because they all had to learn how to ride bikes together. There was only like one yeah. of them that knew how to ride a bike, which is just insane to me. Well, it works because these two are believable as siblings. I totally believe them. These two as being siblings, they seem they seem like they're close. They didn't just meet. Uh, so the actor who played Grace was kept separated from the kids pre-filming uh, the pre-filming meeting to maintain a distance from them for their uh, on-screen dynamic. So she, because they didn't, because they filmed in order, she didn't actually meet them until they filmed the scene where she meets them in the movie. That's smart. Yep. That's smart. Man, they did, they filmed this movie just like a really smart, really smart way to That's do it. it. Must have made like those scenes whenever the in the beginning, just whenever uh, Aiden, I'm not about to call them Bill, when he's like super hostile to her, and he's like, I don't, I don't, why would I want to talk to you? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want, and I mean, the dynamic feels real. I'm sure that helped. Yeah, because he, did, he didn't know her. Yeah, yeah. The directors actually had to fight to film the movie this way. They originally. Course, you know, the studio ones that filmed whatever's the Cheapest. financially the best way to do it, which is, you know, some a lot of times out of order. And they fought to film it this way because they said it would come out better. And I 100% think that that was the right decision. Glad they did that. Did that. So the guy who plays Grace's father, aka the cult leader in the film, is actually the actress's real life father. Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. He's also an actor. Does he have a name in the movie? Uh, I mentioned him a couple of times, but I just call him Grace's. Grace's. He does. Dad, it's, the in the, it's in the article, and I just don't remember it. Hmm. I yeah. just didn't know if they credited him with yeah, he, a, with a name or he if he's just name. if he's just the cult leader. Uh, they named the dog Grady in honor of the caretaker Grady of the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. And in that story, Grady's character went crazy and killed his whole family after being isolated in a snowstorm. Hmm. I like that. That's a little Easter egg in yeah, there. Yeah. I feel like literally every part of this movie was so well thought out. It was. It was. Uh, so that I mean, that's all I got because it's not. It wasn't a huge production, and it wasn't a really big movie. We don't have a ton of uh, information to go through with this, but. Um, we did get some good. There's some good stuff in there, though. I don't know. You got anything else you want to talk about before we do rating? No, that's. Uh, I'm ready for the ratings. All uh, right. This one's. This one might surprise you, but. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't think so. Okay. No, you want me? You you want me to go first? I don't care. You go first. All right. So I gave this a 4.6 out of 5. Uh, absolute, Shooting high. Yeah, absolutely love this movie. Uh, the cinematography is, of course, amazing. Uh, it's shot very dry and dark. Uh, as far as pacing, it's perfectly done. Slow burn. I'm not normally a fan of slow burns, but the way this is shot, it, it's perfect. It's, it's shot to a pace where you you feel the emotions and the creepiness of each scene sink in. Like we talked about already, the acting was absolutely incredible from everybody. Uh, you, f- you truly feel bad for each character at some point in this movie. 
And then another thing, this movie is just super underrated, which is a big reason why. Uh, I won't say underrated. Well, I guess it is underrated based off the ratings you told me. But uh, it's it's when it comes to notoriety, it's very underrated. Not a lot of people know it. And I, I urge people to go out and check this out. H- highly recommended. Yeah, um, I, can ing- I can agree with that. I rated it a 4.5. Mm. Yeah. Close. Yeah. So the reason I rated a 4.5, you already said most of it, but uh, a five, a five star rating to me is a, you know, perfect movie. It's not only a perfect movie. Five stars for me is a perfect movie and one of my favorite movies. This movie is a perfect movie. It's just not one of my favorite movies because you know, slow burns are not my favorite type of movies. That's why I deducted the 0.5. I don't think that there's anything you could have done to improve this. Yeah, I don't have any critiques. When I, th- when I was doing my ratings, I tried to think of some critiques, and I I, I couldn't. I I could say for point maybe a point four. There's there's something somebody in the world could have thought of. You know, you know when you watch a movie and it's a perfect five. Like, you know it, and it's very rare. There's only a handful of movies I could think of that is like, I watched it was 100% a five. This was close. Yeah, I feel bad uh, for not saying it's a five-star movie because, in my opinion, it, it's worthy of a five-star rating. But I only say five stars for pretty much my favorite movies. Uh, but I think a 4.5 is pretty much right underneath that. I mean, this movie's any movie that makes me feel, you know, something that strong afterwards um, deserves that high of, of a rating. I love the characters. Uh, my favorite thing I think about the movie, though, is the how it was filmed, the the shots of the movie. I love a beautiful movie. I will watch a movie that sucks if it's pretty enough <laughs> i mean i won't rate it a 4.5 but i'll watch it um yeah i you know i would say if you have not seen this movie just you have to see this movie uh if it's not up your alley of what you like give it a chance anyway and if you don't like it you don't like it but i think that you i think you'll at least like parts of it it's great it is phenomenal uh, this was this was literally a a random Walmart buy. That's how I come yeah, across this. Lucky, I bought this and a movie called The Turning, which we'll probably never do. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, but it was just it was looking for a horror movie. They were the two new horror movies out, and I just I'm so happy I was in Walmart that day, and I know about this movie. Um, and I I wish more people did. This movie is just as good as Hereditary to me. Just as good. I wouldn't say Hereditary is better than this. I wouldn't say this is better than Hereditary. This is yeah. on the same level to me. I wouldn't. I would not discount this at all. Um, comparing it to a movie like that. Yeah, I can agree with that. There's Hereditary is one of those movies. I think when I think of it's just about a perfect five star movie. That they're right there with each other for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's all I really got about The Lodge. I mean, we probably talk about The Lodge for a lot longer, but just go watch it instead. 
Yeah, there's so much stuff in here that that we didn't and detail wise that we couldn't cover. It it's just just go watch it. It's fantastic. No, I mean shit. If we got one other person, we could just read the script. We could just act it out. <laughs> we could just do do just you know on uh on a microphone just reading of the script. Yeah, I mean that's it. That's it for me in the lodge. You got anything? Nope. That's it. Go watch it. Yeah. You're not my mother, you're just someone my dad fucks. <laughs>